Welcome to another episode of Civic Cipher. I am your host, Ramses Ja. I typically go by the name of Q Ward, but I'm working through some things. I might give myself a stage name, bro. I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure. Hey, man, we love Q Ward. It works so far. So uh, I might come up with something, you know, just keep your ears open. I might come up, I might have a stage name here soon. <laughs> well, I'm coming up, but it's because of y'all. <laughs> I love that Jamie Foxx reference. I, I caught that one. <laughs> well, we're uh, we're back once again to uh, talk about many things related to Black America and um, how they relate to you. You may or may not be Black as well. And uh, so we're here to have these conversations like we do every single week. So thank you for tuning in. Be sure to stick around because this episode, we're going to be talking about some really interesting things, not the least of which is black wealth or more specifically black wealth inequality uh, we're also going to spend some time talking about what q and i consider to be perhaps a new wave of attacks on black america um, these are like formal attacks that have been mounted and there's campaigns and they're sustained and so forth um and it feels unprecedented at least in our lifetime we have this conversation already so we're um uh ready to have that conversation for you our listener um and you know maybe you'll relate or maybe you'll know something that we don't but uh we feel it's important to at least have the conversation uh we're also going to uh for our way black history fact discuss um the posthumous pardon of homer plessy the black man who's arrested for refusing to leave a whites-only railroad car in 1892 led to the Supreme Court's ruling that cemented, quote, separate but equal, end quote, into U.S. law for about 50 years. So a lot to stay, stay tuned for. But first, like we always do at this time. Like we always do at this time. Yes, indeed. Let's talk about some ebony excellence. Shall we? We shall. All right. So. Uh, this comes from CBS News. I'm sure you've seen it. If not, we have some content up on our social media. Uh, follow us at Civic Cipher on all social media platforms. Um, Democratic U.S. Senate candidate Gary Chambers of Louisiana released an ad showing him smoking marijuana while promoting a pathway toward legalizing the drug. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It is incredible. Um, okay, so let me paint this picture. I only got a minute or so, but let me paint this picture. Big, black, very, very much standing in the middle of himself. He's seated in the ad, but you know what I mean with that metaphor. Very confident. Um, smoking a blunt while discussing what he's going to do if elected to uh, the Senate. And it's masterful. If you haven't seen it, it's hard to conceive. But if you look at it, you'll get it. Um, and then this guy has gone viral many times because he's a very outspoken individual, especially when it comes to the way that black people in, in Louisiana are treated unfairly. And so um, obviously this campaign has made national news. We're talking about it, of course. But I want to read a couple more things before we move on. Um, a direct quote from him, he says, I hope this ad works to not only destigmatize the use of marijuana, but also forces a new conversation that creates a pathway to legalize this beneficial drug and forgive those who are arrested due to outdated ideology. 
He goes on to say black people are four times more likely to be arrested for marijuana laws than white people. Um, and he said states waste $3.7 billion enforcing marijuana laws every year. Most of the people police are arresting aren't dealers, but rather people with small amounts of pot, just like me. He actually said that in the ad. Um, he's a progressive activist. He finished third in a special election primary race to fill former Congressman Cedric Richmond's seat last year. He's running to challenge Republican Senator John Kennedy. And uh, you can follow him at Gary Chambers Jr. or check out ChambersForLouisiana.com. Um, as an additional uh, become a better ally, Baba, you can uh, show him some support. We really want this guy to win. Once again, that's Chambers for Louisiana. Support, by the way. Say again? We're definitely going to show him some support, by the way. Yeah, he's just exposure, but support for people who can't see me. I'm talking about the moolah. Talk to him, Q. Say that because they need to hear it. The cheddar, (laughs) the fetty wop, whatever you want to call it. We're going to make sure that we support him. He's not just active Ramses. He's informed. Mm. He's educated. He's not Mm. just well-spoken. He's well-read. He's not just in 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 these meetings and, you know, at these gatherings talking loud. He knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And he's making some very, very important waves mm. in this political realm that we that we kind of live in. Well, you know what? Um, and I'm going to speak it into existence, too. Say again? We're going to have him on Civic Cypher. I'm going to just speak it into existence. Yeah, we need to. Yeah. We're going to have him on. Even if we need to do Civic Cypher on location in Louisiana, He's he's an inspirational person. Uh, So once again, be sure to check him out. Gary Chambers Sr. is his social media or ChambersForLouisiana.com. And I was going to say, we kind of spent a little bit more time talking about him for our Ebony Excellence, but I think it's well-deserved. But you mentioned Moolah, Fetty Wap. By the way. Say again? You said Gary Chambers Sr. It's Gary Chambers Jr. Jr. That was it. Sorry about that. Um, But you talked about, uh, you know, fiscal support. You know, Fetty, cheddar, dough, donuts, etc. So that's a great uh, segue into our first topic for today's episode. Um, is black wealth inequity real? I think you can answer that question for all of us, Q. I almost said some not safe for the airwaves <laughs> words, right? <laughs> well, is uh, black wealth inequality real? <laughs> Absa blank word lutely. Yes, yes, indeed. But you know what? Um, there's been a few things that haven't really been fleshed out in you know most of the conversations that I encounter um, when people feel like you know you can just throw money at a problem. You know, and and it it let me know that maybe there's some folks who maybe don't have a proper concept of exactly how big the gap is in wealth and exactly what that means. And so it's important for us to have this conversation. So I'll begin. Um, First off, uh, my source uh, for this part of it comes from the insider. Um, So there's a, and this actually affects everyone, not just black people, but as we know, um, oftentimes black people in this country and around the world tend to be the ones who endure the brunt the, the, the largest, uh, they're, they're the ones la- largest affected. Most largely affected. Most largely affected. It's hard to get this out. Disproportionately affected, thank you, by um, ill-conceived policies like this. And so this definitely affects Black people, but this affects all people. So, so please, uh, 
listen to this. So there's a 20 year study of global wealth um, that destroys the myth of trickle down economics and shows that the rich are taking the gains for themselves. Um, now, you might have heard that in the pandemic, the rich got richer and that super duper rich, yeah, like rich people, like doubled their net worth. Meanwhile, the rest of us just kind of got stepped on or left out. Right. That obviously has affected black people disproportionately. Um, also, this trickle down economics thing, this is a Reagan era policy, very Republican policy that was um, sold to Americans, not just African-Americans, but Americans that, hey, look, if we take care of rich folks, they will take care of you. If we take care of these companies, that money will ultimately make its way to your paycheck. Right. So there's a 20 year study. We've already talked about this on the show. But now there's a study that backs it. There's been, you know, economists and folks over the years who said, obviously, this is a Republican zombie that will not die. These people just keep selling us this dream so that they can keep lining their pockets. This is rich, powerful politicians. And they have enough, they have enough people that bought it wholesale yeah. to continue to push the agenda for them. Right. So what, what is unique about today is that now at the end of this 20-year study, there's also a snapshot view and a short-term example of exactly how wealth flows through corporations and from rich people to the, the, the general population. We've seen over the course of 20 years, and we've seen over the course of two years with the pandemic, that if you give rich people more money, they keep it. It doesn't make its way to you. Now, obviously, this is a show where we have to give voice to the Black experience, but whenever we can find solidarity in each other's experience, I think it's important for us to flesh it out. So um, there's a couple more points that this makes. Um, it's no secret that there's inequality across the economy, but a huge new report shows just how much. The 2022 World Inequality Report, World Inequality, not just the U.S., World Inequality Report demolishes the myth that tax cuts for the rich will trickle down. The bottom half of the global population holds just 2% of all wealth. That's half of the human beings on earth hold 2% of all wealth, while the top 10% earns 76% of all wealth. So that means that there's... 4.75 billion people hold 2% of the world's wealth. Say it, right? While 7 million people hold the other 76%. That's crazy. I need to say those numbers out loud because people hear half in percentages and they don't quite, you know, do the math in their own head. It might not sound as grossly disproportionate as it is. 3.75 billion people, 2%. Seven, what, 7 million people? Yeah. Or 700 million people? No, I think it's 7 million. Well, you got to think, a billion is a thousand millions. <laughs> a million, a thousand times over. <laughs> so... Just to give you a sense of scale, I know that these numbers are really big and it's really difficult for a lot of people to wrap their head around the scale of it. But basically, we're seeing the concentration of wealth among rich folks. 
And I'm not not knocking rich people. If you do well for yourself, you should, you know, but we really do need to examine these systems and these myths and these policies that, you know, there's there's wealth locked up in small groups of people, families or whatever, that is completely unnecessary. And I'll tell you this, if you are a human being with a little bit of empathy and a beating heart in your chest, I'll tell you this story and this should matter to you. There are people who will die today because they didn't have enough to eat. There were people who would die from preventable diseases because they didn't have access to basic fundamental things that are cheap. But, you know, everything's expensive when you have nothing, you know, and these are human beings, right? In the same way that you might, you know, want to save the life of a stray cat or when you see an injured dog and, you know, whatever that, think human, human being, just like you, same made of the same stardust that you're made out of. No matter which creator you believe in, that creator made you and this human being whose life will end today because they didn't have enough. And then we can put a number on that and we can put something with it. We can put a a, a one and we can put a dollar sign. And then you see how cheap a life is. And, And we know, we're listening to each other. We know that life isn't cheap. But capitalism doesn't know that. And I, w- basic- I wish we knew. I was to piggyback off of your point. I wish we knew that life isn't cheap. Well, but I'm the saying sad we, thing you, I've learned and our listeners know. Yeah, the sad thing I've learned during this pandemic with regards to capitalism, because we're talking about the United States. Sure. We must think life is very cheap. Yeah. We must. I'm watching how we're handling things. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair point. Some of the most grossly selfish things I've ever seen said, published, and shared show that we really think this life thing is cheap. It must be. Right? We're acting, we're acting like losing senses is small. There's people who cannot smell or taste, folks. You only have five senses. That's two of them. Gone. And we like, uh, sorry. <laughs> vaccine, schmaxine. Not wearing no mask. I'm kicking it. Well, um, the uh, I'll, I'll continue. Um, just so you know, these this uh, world inequality report was a huge undertaking con- coordinated by economic and inequality experts Lucas Chassel, Thomas Piketty, Emmanuel Saez, and Gabriel Zuckman, and it was a product of four years of research and produced an unprecedented data set on just how wealth is distributed. The world is marked by a very high level of income equality and an extreme level of wealth inequality. Um, This data serves as a complete rebuke of the trickle-down economic theory, which posits that cutting taxes on the rich will trickle down to those below, with the cuts eventually benefiting everyone. In America, trickle-down was exemplified by President Ronald Reagan's tax slashes. It's a theory that persists today, even though most research has shown that 50 years of tax cuts benefits the wealthy and worsens inequality. Uh, I'll read this as well. The researchers are some of the leading minds on inequality in the entire field of economics. Um, And that's important so that you know that this data set isn't just some guys that made that up. Um, I'll say the names again. Uh, Chancel, sorry, is the co-director of the World Inequality Lab, while Saez and Zuckman have 
literally written a book on the rich dodging taxes and helped create wealth tax proposals for senators like Elizabeth Warren, Warren and Ber- Bernie Sanders. Ugh. All right. Um, Piketty, who was Zuckman's doctoral advisor, wrote the tome Capital in the 21st Century, which used an unprecedented data set going back to the French Revolution to expose how centuries of growing wealth inequality was a feature of capitalism, not a bug. The World Inequality Report was his effort to do the same for recent history. They argue in the new report that the last two decades of wealth data show that inequality is a political choice, not an inevitability. Um, I wanted to get that off because it's important that people know that uh, when you need to know that when you're going into conversations with people who have different views on people and politics, you need this as armor. You need this as almost like a weapon to go into those conversations because there are people that exist that say, hey, look, I had to work for every cent I have. Everybody has to work for every cent they have. And, you know, in their mind, you know, it makes sense. It, you know, it, it, it checks out everything, you know, is just as black and white as they're saying. But they have no concept of redlining. They have no concept of economic inequality. They have no concept. They don't have a proper concept, at least, of all those things or how they disproportionately affect black and brown people in this country. And so when they say, I did it, you need to do it, too. They're not wrong, but they're also not accounting for the fact that these things exist. And I'm, I'm talking specifically about Republican people, you know, Republican votes who have, you know, votes that they can cast and, and policy that they can influence. If you listening to our voices are at a table having a conversation with these people, this data is necessary because it is irrefutable. Like we call it a 20 year study. And that's what they called it. But, you know, the study goes back further to 50 years when this actually was enacted. And then it actually makes an argument against capitalism going back to the French Revolution. Um, And so these are things that you might need. So it was important to kind of um, let you know that. Now, I realize I haven't made a big enough point out of making it black. So I'll do that now. Uh, this comes from the Federal Reserve's web- website. You can go to federalreserve.gov and read this yourself if you so choose. Um, in, 20, in the 2019 survey, white families have the highest level of both median and mean family wealth. $188,200 and $983,400, respectively. So median... mean almost a million dollars. Okay. Remember that black and Hispanic families have considerably less wealth than white families. Black families, median and mean wealth is less than 15% that of white families at $24,100 and $142,500 respectively. Hispanic families, median and mean wealth is $36,100 and $165,000, respectively. We, we weren't even close to a million at all in that. Um, the, the, the white family's um, median wealth is larger than 
the, the, the sum total of wealth of everybody else's whole situation. <laughs> um, just if we're taking numbers, you know, and adding them together. So this, this conversation hasn't really accounted for other societal um, roadblocks, speed bumps, uh, et cetera, that, that caused this to be so. This conversation so far has really been to discuss um, political ideas that result in this. For our listeners that are getting this podcast instead of radio, rewind and listen to that federalreserve.gov information again. Because that is a canyon. That's not just a gap. Yeah. That is incredible. So watch this. Um, I'll add this. I wanted to talk about this, and I might be able to do it at some point, but I read an article. uh, This might have been two or three days ago, where money... Having money in the house um, causes babies' brains to form differently. Isn't that crazy? It was something like money reshapes baby brains. That was like the headline of the article. So you might be able to look it up yourself. Um, And I don't read like junknews.com. I read reputable sources. I have to, obviously. Um, But I remember reading this and just thinking, Imagine growing up in a house where, you know, your income is $24,000, right? Uh, Your parents' income is $24,000. Or imagine growing up in a household where your parents' income is $188,000. If, in fact, that is true. Like, we already know that there's a lot more opportunities. There's a lot more security. There's a lot more stability. There's, you know, all these things that really affect a child growing up, affect their ability to learn. It's difficult to learn when you're hungry. It's difficult to learn when you're ashamed of the clothes you're wearing or, you know, whether or not you're as clean as you want to be or presentable. You know what I mean? There's, these are real factors that really affect people. They affect dropout rates. They affect everything, right? So money has a direct correlation with all those. But imagine if in fact this is true and it affects the development of a baby's brain, what it looks like for a baby to grow up in a house where there's $188,000 versus $24,000 or $36,000 in Hispanic households. And that largely has to do with the Cubans in Florida because they're doing better than, uh, I believe still doing better than any other subgroup of uh, Latinos in this country, um, financially speaking. I only know that because my grandma's from Cuba. Yeah, it also has to do with the idea of of a lot of... um, subgroups that move to this country and pool their wealth that too yeah they can have a foundation for each other so you're talking about sometimes not just mom and dad but you know multiple nuclear families under one roof pooling their resources so that everybody can eat and have access to schools and you know things like that you know what's funny is that every time in history that's happened for black people um it's been literally burned down um but we've talked about it and we'll talk about it again but now is not the time to do that Um, I do want to take the last couple of minutes and really get us all to wrap our heads around this quote that I got from a man named Dan Price. Oh, please, Uh, please share that. Dan Price, Seattle. (laughs) My goodness. I'm sure a lot of you follow him already, but Dan Price, Seattle uh, on Twitter, I believe is his Twitter handle. 
um this guy is the man too so shout out to him and shout out to uh one more time if we can do it chambers for louisiana gary chambers jr you know we want to make sure we show love but dan price is directly from his twitter page quote workers around the world lost 3.7 trillion dollars in the pandemic i want to read that again Workers around the world, workers, if you have a job, you're a worker. Workers around the world lost 3.7 trillion with a T in the pandemic. Billionaires around the world gained 3.9 trillion in the pandemic. So the billionaires gained more money than the workers lost. 3.9 and counting. Thank you. And so this wealth inequality and the implications of the wealth inequality helps tell a little bit more of the story that perhaps some folks might not have known about. So we'll leave it right there. Stick around your radios. We're coming back with more Civic Cypher right after this. <laughs> 